Reality Escape Pod is made possible by Patreon supporters like you. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod, your lifeline when you need a getaway from the real world. I'm David Spira, alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive gaming from all angles and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Today's guest is Lisa Spira, co-creator of Room Escape Artist and one of the producers on this very podcast. Today's season one wrap will be a more casual conversation with Lisa. We'll be discussing some of the controversies that have been stirred up by past episodes. We'll also be talking with Lisa about all of the different things that she runs over on Room Escape Artist, from the hive mind to all of our data collection efforts. Finally, we'll also be discussing some of the surprising outcomes of the escape room events that we've had the opportunity to host. Welcome, wife. Hello, and thank you. One of the reasons that we wanted to have you on is because I get a lot of attention because I'm very loud. But I think a lot of what makes Room Escape Artist Room Escape Artist is actually Lisa. And as I have said before, our dynamic is very much I am pen to Lisa's teller. I am the loud carnival barker that is grabbing your attention. And Lisa is the shorter, quiet one who is actually making the magic happen. Pulling all the strings. I like pulling strings. That's fun. I like it when you pull our strings. And David and I talk all the time about how thrilled we are that you stepped into Project Manage Us. You know, it's funny because I said, I offered to do this for you. You will both hate me. Are you okay with that? <laughs> I could not have been more thrilled. Beyond that, Lisa is running so many aspects of Room Escape Artists. She has a very different perspective of the escape room community and of the work that we do at Room Escape Artist than I do. We'd like to start with the past year. Let's talk a little bit about running and editing the hive mind, which I write for, but I otherwise do nothing with. Before we get into it, let's talk about what the hive mind is. It's always a good idea. For many years, David and I were the primary writers for Room Escape Artists. We produced the majority of the content ourselves, and we were publishing daily for many years that way. Almost exactly a year ago, we realized that that was no longer sustainable in the new pandemic times. The onslaught of play-at-home content. There was so much content available to us, so many people creating online experiences and adapting them. And suddenly the whole world of content was available to us. It wasn't just the games in our physical location or where we traveled to and some tabletop games. It was really the entire world of escape games that are playable in English was suddenly available to us. And we felt like it was the perfect time to bring in more voices, which is something we had been talking about for a long time. So we brought a whole bunch of people on to write as Hivemind reviewers. We wanted to have a couple of perspectives of the same game, whether the people played together or they played independently with their own friends or family, they all give their own reaction to that experience. We wanted to build more perspectives because Room Escape Artist has always been about perspectives. And even when we write and you can read our perspectives, 
we try to say things like, but if you like this, this might be for you, even though it wasn't for us. Well, who are those people who might like this? Let's let them write and share their voices. So we started this new format where a lot of people write about the same thing with their own perspectives. I was one of those people. And we were so happy to have your perspective come in because you have had all these experiences with the LA escape room scene and with your friends that you play with that were different. All of a sudden, all these games from around the country and around the world even suddenly became available. And then on the other hand, you had all these players that were stuck at home and bored to death. Nobody knew which games were good or which ones they should be playing from home. It was so wonderful for us too, because you guys became the filter for us and we've been the filter for everyone. There was a point over the summer where we were too busy and we were only playing the things that the hive mind really loved. And that was a really nice break. Yeah, we've written, you know, almost a thousand reviews between the two of us. And we were starting to feel like we needed something to inject a different energy into what we were producing because Doing a thousand of anything is a lot. You guys are crazy. I don't, you, you guys probably publish more often than I brush my teeth. <laughs> I mean, especially if you factor in the times on Survivor. Well, I didn't get to do it at all. <laughs> Have there been any struggles in running the hive mind and playing all these games in quarantine that you haven't quite figured out yet? I still struggle with what we should cover. When we were playing based on traveling, we were covering the games in a location that we went to and everybody who covers the escape room world, all the bloggers and podcasters and YouTubers were covering different things that were relevant to them, where they went and where they lived and who they met. And now one of the new struggles is that everybody is covering everything. Or at least all the same things. Right. And everyone can cover all the same things. I feel a sort of pressure I mean, we're never going to be first because our process is slow. Our process is perfection. Our process involves a lot of people. So we're never going to be first. And we've never really had a philosophy of be first. We've always kind of had a philosophy of let's put out the best thing we possibly can. And if someone else gets there first, someone else gets there first. That's fine. Yeah. But I feel like I have a lot of competing goals. I have goals to find and uncover new things. I have goals to give people a chance who reached out to us with something that they want us to see. I have goals to make sure that we write about the games that are really popular and of the moment that are doing new and creative things that are promoting themselves extensively. And we need to know if they're good or bad so we can tell people if they're good or bad or who they're for. Also, the definition of escape room has grown so much. Now I'm struggling with, is it an escape room? Should we cover it? Is it outside of our range? But it's something our writers are interested in. Well, they want to cover. Well, maybe nobody wants to cover this. I'll ask. And I feel like I do this twice a week and I go through, oh, I have so many things. Oh, I have nothing. I could find something. What do I want to find? There used to only be like three categories that we checked off when we were writing the reviews of what type of room it is. Is it a real life escape room that they strapped a camera to someone and now it's a virtual escape room? Or is it the type of escape room that it is in a physical room, but you could never do this in person like Pursuit of the Assassin Artist. And now there's like the, the category box is like 20 different categories. There's all these subcategories now within it. I think it's amazing. I think it's a sign of how creative people are being and playing around in inside this genre. The checkboxes we're discussing are in the form that our hive mind reviewers fill out when submitting their reviews. It's not something that our readers actually get to see. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I actually love that it got so complicated. I love organizing things. I love taxonomies. How anything is organized, really. Especially words and writing and games and ideas. And so the decision to move to all these different checkboxes and try to piece together through little parts what the experience is as a way to tell people whether it's for them or not. It was a fun challenge. It's still a challenge. We're still changing that. And that's really your background as a linguist there. That's probably true. But it actually leads nicely into the next subject that we wanted to talk about, which is a subject that was really born out of a conversation in our Patreon Discord chat, which is just for people who support Room Escape Artist and this podcast on Patreon. It is and has been for a very long time my favorite place to chat about escape rooms. I think it is a very kind, very knowledgeable, very engaged community of people. I absolutely love it. It doesn't have any of the negativity, even when people are disagreeing over things. It doesn't have the negativity that I've seen in other places or the mercenary self-promotion. It's my favorite place to chat, too. It's the only place you chat. I was going to say, I don't chat there very often. Mostly I just emoji react. But I read it all. I'm just not chatty. That's David's job. (laughs) After the last episode with Chris Latner aired, we had a lot of conversation about the nature of escape rooms, what these things even are and what they should be, what we should be encouraging them to be. It was a very interesting conversation. I really enjoyed it because it sparked so much conversation in the Discord, like more than other episodes did. And I think because some of his ideas were slightly controversial. I think it led to a lot of interesting conversation because there are a lot of people who've played his games and understand what he's about from having played his creations. There are also a lot of people who've only ever seen him interact on social media or heard him at a conference. And he is a very direct incredibly confident person. The best way that I can describe Chris is he's a human bulldozer. He sees a thing, he's going to get there, and he's going to take the straightest line he possibly can to get there. He does that when he's communicating as well. It's led to a lot of preconceived notions about who he is and what he's about. And I think in the environment that we put him in, in this podcast, I think we gave him an opportunity to really help people understand the perspective he had and the uniqueness of it, I think it's the kind of conversation that leads to good conversation. All that's to say, as this was being discussed within our Patreon group, we found that something that we've noticed for years, which is a perspective gap across the escape room community, where people see the regional trends of where they live and where they have played escape rooms and assume that that's how it is absolutely everywhere. But the truth is that escape rooms have a lot of regional trends and regional flavors, and very few things are actually as absolute as they feel, and they change a lot. But what we keep seeing online, especially out in the various Facebook groups, is that people don't realize that the perspectives they have are a bit more narrow. And they assume that everyone around them is coming from the same perspective. And then they get confused and argumentative when that doesn't work out. The question that I have is, it's really for everybody, what's your perspective on the conversation that has emerged as a result of really last episode, but I think it's been brewing for years? I had no idea that this was even a thing until David kind of offhandedly said something about, well, that's your LA 
escape room perspective. And I, and I never thought of myself as having an LA based escape room perspective. I was like, it's just rooms. Aren't they kind of the same everywhere? I don't know why I didn't think of it that way, because obviously they're not. Obviously, rooms are going to be influenced. The way movies are produced and directed are probably different, coming from different countries. It makes sense that any other type of entertainment, creative endeavor is also going to be flavored by your own personal cultural biases and perspectives also. But this was news to me. And I think the question that we're talking about is actually what's an escape room? Yeah. That was the question. Does it need to have puzzles? Should it be a puzzle-focused experience? Oh, wait, what's a puzzle? What's a puzzle in this type of sense? How many puzzles does it take for it to have enough puzzles to be considered an escape room? Right. When is it some other type of immersive adventure? What other elements have to be there to make it an escape room? And does it even matter? Yeah. I feel like I spend a lot of time emailing with people. I do spend a lot of time emailing with people. Thank you for that. (laughs) I feel like I tell people a lot, the US is not one escape room market. And maybe I tell them that more this year than other years, but I was just emailing a lot with a person from Italy. And I kept having to tell this very smart, very experienced escape room consumer and potential business person that escape rooms are different all over the US. The US is not one market. We've been saying it for years to journalists who call up with questions about the escape room market in aggregate. Yeah. To what PG was talking about, the question that she was asking, as a general rule, LA has a more theatrical bent than a lot of the US. In many of the games, a lot of games, an undertone of horror, even if the game isn't horror, there's a lot more horror and there's a lot more allusions to it in the LA scene than there is in lots of the rest of the country. And I think even from the early days, with some outliers notwithstanding, the games in LA are on average a little bit easier and a little bit more focused on the experience than they are on the puzzles. Companies like The Basement are, of course, outliers in that because they make you work for it. Although not outliers in the theatricality and horror. Not at all. Yeah, I was going to say, they sound like they're exactly what you're talking about. If you were to go up to Seattle, you'll see much more puzzle-focused gameplay, uh, which I think is on display at a company like Locurio, which we covered in our first Spoilers Club episode. If you go down to the New Orleans Baton Rouge area, things become very spectacle in a little bit of an artsy way. There's just a vibe. And it's not always stuff that you could put into words. Like it's it's hard to like completely define. How do you differentiate spectacle and theatrical? So you're saying LA's theatrical, you know, New Orleans is more spectacle. But to me, I feel like those sound the same to me. So what's the difference for you? To me, theatrical is very narrative. Spectacle is about the big moment, which doesn't necessarily have to be tied to the narrative. A big reveal. Yeah. Big reveals. I mean, huge reveals in that part of the country. As an example, I think it was Crystal and Andrew. Andrew's one of our hive mind writers. They went and played at 13th Gate in Baton Rouge, and they were playing a game with some locals who had only ever played at 13th Gate. And they had said, it's amazing that you guys get to just play these whenever you want. They were like, oh yeah, they're all right. 
13th Gate is outlier land. The size of the spectacle, the quality of the construction, the bigness of all of it is overwhelming. If you've ever played in almost any other escape room community except for maybe the Netherlands and Athens, you know, at least in our experience. Yeah, oh, for sure. 13th Gate is something special. Right. And the other companies in that region, while not doing spectacle of that caliber, they are influenced by that level mm -hmm. of spectacle and have interpreted that in their own ways to do really special things. Yeah, and that's the thing is that these companies interact with each other. The good companies are aware of what the other good companies in the area are doing, and they're vibing off of each other. They're being inspired by each other. They're competing with each other, hopefully in a friendly way. But I think that's what you start to see is you see companies start to move in a direction together because they are reacting to each other and they're liking what they're seeing from each other. And so that's where you start to feel these regional flavors that emerge that you won't feel if you go in like, I think the escape game does a beautiful job of making escape rooms. Their games do not feel like they regionally belong in many of the regions that they exist in, except for Nashville, which is where they sort of set the tone for the whole Nashville vibe. Yeah, I agree. I kind of like that. Like, I mean, I know, I guess you're saying like there is a homogenous feeling when you're in a certain area but i also like that to an extent because in my idea new orleans is a character that has a personality so i think it's cool to say that the escape rooms there also have their own personality don't get us wrong here we love the regionality of this it's something that we think is really special it's something that has died off in music there used to be heavy regional trends in music that soften more and more as the years go by and everything is just internet music culture as opposed to Seattle music culture or New Orleans music culture. I love that so much. I think it's what makes the medium so special. But what I care about is the community understanding the boundaries of their assumptions. I wonder what this year will do to that. Because it used to be that if you couldn't travel beyond your region, what you knew of in escape rooms, what was what you could physically go out and play in your region. And that is no longer the case. It is certainly in terms of the classic go into a physical space with your friends without an avatar and without printing and cutting and clicking. But a lot of, of the past year has enabled creators to see work and influences and styles from all over the world. So we may see a homogenizing effect. That's definitely an interesting hypothesis. I mean, it's possible. And there's so many people who go and play the catacombs from Logic Locks right now. I, It's one of those things where I would say, if you, can, if you think you're going to be able to play it in real life, like do it in real life. But if you know you're not going to be able to, that game is so well crafted. I'm not sure if I'm hypothesizing that homogenization will happen because I haven't thought about it until this moment. But I do think it is a possibility. On the other side, there's the factor of like, how much will other mediums of escape rooms have influence on the physical play in real life type of games? But I think many of them will. So distinct possibility. And how much has the owner community gone off and said, you know what, I'm going to take this year as an opportunity to see what other people are doing and learn from them. I don't know. I don't know what the breakdown of player to owner exploration of this subgenre has been. 
I don't know either. At Recon in August, I remember, I think it was a speaker, but they started talking about cultural differences, even in different countries within escape rooms and even with player habits. Something about how, was it maybe like in China? They do like, was it like dating or speed dating that they do? That speaker was me. Oh, was that you? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My understanding, again, having never been there, there are only two countries on the planet where public ticketing pre-pandemic was more or less the norm. And that was the United States, where at least large portions, the trend line was moving away from public ticketing, but still there was a lot of it. And China. My understanding is that there's an app to meet up with other people as a means of socializing. And if my understanding is correct, a lot of the escape room community there has been 20-somethings who moved to a city after university, and they're looking to make friends and find romantic partners, and escape rooms are viewed culturally as a way to figure out very quickly if you gel with someone else, platonically or romantically. Awesome. Speed dating at escape rooms. I'm going to start this club. (laughs) And I remember too, I think the other thing that you had mentioned was that they tend to have very elaborate costumes in China as well. That's another thing. The costuming is incredible. I think it's fascinating hearing about the cultural differences in the escape room communities around the world. Wife. Husband. You are probably best known in the community for all of your data-driven endeavors. Historically, it's been all of the map data that you've put together, but more recently, you have put out a survey into the community about how the past year has affected both players and owners. That report is going to be coming out soon, but in the meantime, can you share some of the highlights? I've always found that data-driven work is a really interesting way to look at a community, and we've been publishing annual industry reports based on the amount of facilities that are open at a given time. That's how we've been measuring this industry in those reports. And if you want to read that, you can find the latest one in the show notes. Lisa goes into all sorts of detail about what is happening, why it's happening. She's been tracking it for a very long time. So all the detail is in there. Yeah. So that's the industry report. But we wanted to do something more to understand the impact of the pandemic. And that's when we wrote and distributed this other survey that hundreds of people filled out, owners and players alike, to share their perspectives on how they've been affected. A couple of key highlights to share. At this point, 80% of the business owners that took the survey are currently operating. So escape rooms are open again, and this was a global survey, and although many of the respondents were from the U.S., we had respondents from many, many different countries. When we looked at what people have changed about their facilities, owners across the board said that they had increased sanitization of the games and of the facilities. And also about 75% of owners said that they had adjusted their schedules in various different ways to make the experience of playing in the escape room safer. The survey asked a lot of questions about all sorts of different things like aid and finances, which we're not going to get into right now because I'm still spending a lot of time pouring over this data. But I wanted to share that the survey asked about your outlook. And overall, those who filled it out have a very positive outlook. 
42% said that their outlook is positive, and almost 24% said their outlook is very positive. So that's a good thing to see. I can share a couple of quotes if you want. Please do. Some of them are from players and some of them are from owners. And these were quotes about their outlook. We are doing the best we've ever done. By adding online live avatar games, it has opened us up to an even larger market. Small groups are looking for something safe and fun to do together. With live music and movies limited, escape rooms are a great alternative for both the experienced and the uninitiated. It's true. Yeah. On the other hand, we have lost all of our corporate business. They simply don't come anymore. And they have to be getting together in the office in the first place. It's a, it's a tough spot. We get a lot of questions about corporate online bookings and that it is really hard to create an experience for a lot of people to do in an online corporate setting. Yeah. Here's a, another one. My enthusiasm and energy after all of this is low. I feel like I'm starting over, building my business up. I worked so hard and I lost so much. Friends closed their escape rooms. It's defeating. I hope I am strong enough to hang on. Even though I made it through the worst of it, I'm tired now. I can feel that. It's, I think uh, everyone's tired. Yeah. I definitely feel that. It's, it's hard to see something that you've worked on. Evaporate? Yeah. That's a good word. Do you have a uh, happier quote to send us out on from this section? Yeah, I like this one. I don't want companies to stop offering remote games when the pandemic is over. I will never have enough money to visit all the countries I've visited virtually. Over 30 different countries thus far. I like that. And it's true. It, there is something that is really neat about being able to experience these games that for a lot of people, they were confident they would never, ever get to see. Yeah. And I think that's been a great benefit. And so I think that for the companies, in a way, they've been able to open up new markets, as the first quote said. They've been able to support their local markets, as the second quote said. And for the players, they've been able to experience things that they've never got to do before. And so because of that, and, and many other reasons captured in other quotes, the outlook is largely positive. But of course, for the individuals... You can't deny the hurt, yeah. the pain, the loss that has happened. Yeah. And then that's, I mean, those are, those are some of the key takeaways from this survey. I'm excited to spend more time in the data in the next couple of weeks and be able to get more numbers out to people, especially with some of the other sections that we worked on, really digging into how this has affected people. Be sure to subscribe to RoomEscapeArtist.com so that you will get an email when that report goes out. And when that report goes out, please share it. So looking forward, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel after this year of quarantine. And I want to know, do you think we're going to be able to run a couple escape room tours? I certainly hope so. They are planned, and I would like nothing more than to travel to another place with people who love playing these games and enjoy that experience together in person. Montreal is currently planned for October. There are still tickets available. It was originally sold out, but due to having postponed it quite some time, 
Some people have dropped out. So there are still a couple of tickets. There are just phenomenal companies in Montreal. Speaking of style, I feel like Montreal has a very artsy style. So unique. Can you describe a little bit what the tour entails? Why should I buy a ticket to come on your tour as opposed to just going myself? Well, I'll do all the heavy lifting for you. So you mm. will just show up at the games that are on your schedule and you won't have to think, you won't have to research and plan and fit it all together because you'll fill out a survey about what you like and I will do the puzzle of scheduling the games for you. But if you're a person who likes scheduling games and that's not a draw, I think the draw for a lot of people is the ability to play them with other people who love playing them as much as you do. To meet new people who love this and speaking of perspectives, people who have played elsewhere who love this too, who bring their perspectives and getting to experience these games and then go to the bar afterwards and talk with people who are just as excited. So do you guys organize travel plans as well or recommendations of places to stay? Is it like, do you guys organize like an entire day? There's an itinerary from like 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. and then free time after that. Is it like that type of tour? It's not quite like that. So what we do is we choose a tour hotel and recommend that people book there. Many people will choose the tour hotel and some people will choose their own accommodations in that city. I think the people who have gone and stayed in the hotel have by far the best time. Oh, for sure. Because they get the community. We're all hanging out in the hotel. You'll have a certain number of games per day, two to four games in a day. You'll have a group that you play with on the first day and you'll get your bookings for the times that you have games. They're back to back, almost always or close to back to back so that you have your rest of your day to explore the city. And you'll probably have a slightly different group of people that you're playing with the second day. If you book with a second person, like we always keep couples together and groups together for larger groups. Sometimes there's like for the Montreal tour, one of the days you're going to go by bus to a different area somewhere that you can't walk to or take an Uber to. So we're all going to bus over there so there'll be some time hanging out in the lobby in between games some meals get provided a lot of what we're doing is we're streamlining the complexity of doing all of this we are balancing your teams we take these tours to places that require some larger teams we balance the teams out for you you know we're aware of what kind of content is in these games and so in our surveys we get a sense of who you are and what you like to do what you're good at what you don't want to touch And we balance out the teams as best we can so that if you don't like logic puzzles and we know you're going into a game that has one, we're going to make sure you have someone on the team who gets really excited about that type of puzzle. We try to curate the experience as much as we possibly can. But really, it is ultimately about the community. We get a lot of couples who play escape rooms together and their friends are tired of it. We get a lot of singles who have exhausted their friends of escape rooms. They're looking for the togetherness that comes with playing these games with people who aren't going to judge you and understand where you're coming from and want to go and have fun with you. My favorite part of this is when these folks go off and plan their own trips together outside of the tour, like people just become friends and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to go and travel to this place. Another thing that we do is for some people, the tour we put together is the most busy two or three days of escape rooms they've ever played. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe how many games I'm playing. Which is like nine over the course of three days or something. And then we have people on the tours who nine games in a day is their norm. So we also negotiate with other good companies in the region that are either on the tour or aren't on the tour for a logistic reason. And we get discount codes for them. So you can drop in on the city early or stay late 
and you can go and play till your heart's content. You can play out the entire city. And we have people who do. They will come and play 15 games before the tour. They'll hit the tour, hang out with everybody, and then they'll stay another few days and they'll play another 20 games after. Then they will leave having played everything that they might have ever wanted to play on the tour. It's very much a choose your own adventure and that we're there to help facilitate that. It honestly sounds perfect, especially for like, say someone who's single, like I am, I don't have a life partner who's always willing to travel with me. And yeah, I have friends that I play with here in LA, but we can't always coordinate our schedules to travel at the same time. That doesn't mean I don't still want to travel and see other places and play games. And that is really, really tough. I travel by myself a lot. So I don't have a problem traveling alone and I can go sightsee alone. But playing escape rooms as a single person is difficult. This really solves a lot of those problems. That's exactly it. They come looking for escape rooms. They leave with community. We have one person come on the tour, hadn't taken a vacation in decades. Someone who owns their own business, hadn't taken a vacation, and came back to a subsequent tour and said to me that the last tour they went on changed their perspective. They took another vacation. They have started to transform their body and actually get fit in a way that they hadn't in many, many years. It was really emotional for me to hear that this community that we had produced had this kind of an impact on someone because in my mind, this was just, you know, we're getting a whole lot of people together who are fun, who want to have fun, they're going to enjoy some games together. It hadn't dawned on me that people were looking for and could find that level of connection. It blew my mind. I still get emotional thinking about it. We had another person also who left one of the tours who is a business owner in mm-hmm. the escape room industry in a market where they didn't have games like the ones that this person experienced on the tour. And they went back and started taking classes for skill sets that they didn't even know that they wanted to have because they were so inspired by what they had played. Yeah, I remember getting an email like I, I enrolled in the welding class. <laughs> yeah, welding <laughs> the class with a photo. That's awesome. I would actually really love to come try the tours. If you guys have a spot for me. We will figure out how to get you to one of these tours. For sure. So if any of listeners, if you guys want to come meet me, meet the Spiras, come play with us, you guys should come join one of these tours. Hearing you guys talk about how some people were inspired by your escape room tours, I really feel like that is a recurring theme with any project that you guys touch because I heard a lot of those same comments coming out of recon and lisa would share emails that people sent in talking about how much they enjoyed recon and how much it meant to them and what a sense of community it brought to so many of us that were feeling isolated in august of 2020 i want to thank you two for that it was a wonderful moment of connection with the entire escape room community at large and i also wanted to ask you about recon for 2021 can you give us any details about the upcoming reality escape convention yes we're super excited it's going to be august 22nd and 23rd and it's going to be digital again this year so you can join from anywhere We're doing what we did last year better. We're doing all of the thoughtful things we did last year that we did with intention. And we are taking the lessons we learned from that, rebuilding our infrastructure to make it more sound, more user-friendly, less intimidating. We're going to have more of the same type of content, even better, because we learned a few things about producing talks and producing content in general. We are going to have nightlife plans because that all was born out of the community the recon 
bar scene that emerged in our video chats was something that was born completely of the participants, the attendees. And of PG. Uh, let's not leave that out. Yeah. <laughs> Me begging every night, like all throughout the day, even though they are so busy trying to produce this event and me saying, can you guys create a channel for an after party? I'm like, I need an after party. <laughs> there is this high you get when you're meeting all these inspiring people, you're having great conversations, there's activities, there's games to be played, there's an ARG, there's different talks, there's workshops, there's so many things to do. The after parties were a really good way to kind of decompress and eat out of that but people were there drinking till like one in the morning your time one in the morning your time there was one guy who was like guys i see the sun coming up i need to leave <laughs> <laughs> he was in eastern europe <laughs> yeah, but he came back the next day oh he did yep, yep. <laughs> it was a really fun time and it, it was incredibly realistic i could not believe how realistic it felt compared to a real convention, like that feeling of meeting people and connecting and community and the conversations, you know, organic conversations that kind of arose, organic games that just kind of started. Like I started a game, one of those lateral thinking puzzle games, and it got its own channel. And then like people were jumping in and participating. It was really fun. That was what we were going for. We really wanted to bring people together. And I'm so glad that it worked. And I'm so excited to do it again. Yeah. The crazy thing is like, you'd think, oh, we did this once. It should be easier this time. We've been working with the recon team since September to do this again. We've been rebuilding everything. It has been even more work with higher expectations on ourselves. The team has just been incredible and tireless. And tickets are on sale now on realityescapecon.com. Are people going to be able to come back for free again? I know you guys are selling tickets. How does that work? Yes to both. Yes, you can come back and experience a lot of recon for free. And yes, there will also be sections of recon that you can pay for. All of the featured talks will be available to the basic ticket level. And the basic ticket level is pay what you want. We realize that it is still a difficult time for a lot of people. And we want to make the content at the core of recon accessible. So it will be. That's really important to us. But there are also a lot of ways that you can experience other parts of recon. And so there will be a, a pro ticket that gets you into different conversations and allows you more access. And this is really for the professional side, the designers, the owners, the creators, the people on the business end of the industry. And this will help you network with other business people in this industry. And it will also come with a workshop that allows you hands-on experience, hands-on through your computer, still <laughs> digital in an area of escape room design that you want to learn more about. There's also going to be a play ticket that you can add to the basic ticket or add to the pro ticket that will get you access to games, which is really exciting. And we're going to have some limited run games featured at Recon. And on the subject of the workshops that Lisa was mentioning that are part of the pro ticket, one of the things that we have been trying to do with Recon since it was first conceived, we were thinking it was going to be in Boston last year, should be in Boston next year. We've been trying to identify the problems that conferences have in general, not just escape room conferences, but conferences at large. And we keep trying to pick away at those problems. How can we improve upon them? One of the things that we're trying to do is get rid of what I refer to as the toxic sameness of conference scenes. 
which is the same dozen or two speakers who pretty much show up all the time. You know they're going to be there. You know they're going to give a slight variation on the same talk that they've given for the last four years. We are not having really any speakers, aside from Lisa and myself, doing one session. Everyone else is a new speaker at Recon this year. We will be able to bring back speakers in the future, but we're trying to introduce new voices and new perspectives. Some of our more popular speakers are being brought back to give workshops. So those are the ticketed events that are part of the pro ticket that you can buy extra add-on tickets to. These workshops are being taught by some of the folks who gave really popular talks last year. And they're going to build on the ideas of that talk because one of the other things that we can do with Recon is that we can treat it as an ongoing conversation because all of the videos from the past talks are available. We don't have to keep teaching to the 101 level. We can treat Recon as an ongoing and evolving conversation that propels this industry forward instead of keeping everybody circling around the basics. And that's something that means a ton to us and I think will help elevate the level of conversation throughout the escape room world. And if you haven't had a chance to watch last year's Recon Talks, you can find them on the Room Escape Artist YouTube channel. That link will be in the show notes. One of the wonderful things about this year has been the way that we've met so many different creators from all over the world by playing their virtual experiences. We're really excited to be inviting a lot of speakers who maybe we never would have met in person because they weren't somewhere that we were likely to travel this year had it been a regular year, but we've been able to meet these people and they have perspectives that are going to be so valuable as part of the Recon 21 conversation. Can you give us a teaser of any of the topics for the talks coming up in 2021? One of the really mm -hmm. exciting talks that I think a lot of players and creators will be excited about is the talk by Tasha, who created Project Avatar. Yeah. The Project Avatar team, they're going to be doing a session that I'm just imagining is going to be nuts because they are. I was wondering if you're going to have them come on. They're just such a defining characteristic of the escape room scene this past year. It would have been criminal to not have them involved. If you guys haven't played Project Avatar, go play it. It is a wild ride. It is like playing a live action video game, but you are controlling an avatar running through a humongous abandoned warehouse and he's kicking down doors and flinging himself doing all kinds of crazy crazy stuff another session that i'm personally really excited about we're gonna have errol elmer from the room escape divas he's going to be doing a whole session on designing puzzles and integrating that into narrative is the subtitle gonna be how to make them cry <laughs> Yeah. That's a fair question. Right. PG, show me on the doll where he hurt you. <laughs> One of Errol's games did have a content warning. And me thinking like, don't need to read that. You know, I'm tough, whatever. And I totally disregarded it. I had just lost my cat like the week before playing this game. And so it. I was like, I should have read the warning. I also didn't read the content warning. And sat there at the end, my eyes welled up, both loving and cursing Errol and his genius. It's funny because he is somebody who is this character in the community, and he is such a character that he is at times a literal caricature of himself, but it is also 
hiding this intense genius that I think is sometimes very easy to ignore. I hold Errol in such high regard, and I am very eager to help him share his insights and lessons with the community. And nobody should be worried about a content warning for Errol's recon talk. The game we're talking about is called Present Quest. It's an online game available for free. The only cost is it's going to hit you hard in the feels. <laughs> but at what cost, David? <laughs> I loved it. I so hated much. it. <laughs> you, you can read the Hive Mind review to get both David's perspective and PG's perspective and three other perspectives. Link will be in the show notes. <laughs> So as we conclude season one with this episode, what are your biggest takeaways from this experience of podcasting together? I would never, ever want to work on a podcast if Lisa is not project managing me. <laughs> it is a pleasure having an extremely competent person manage you and manage your goals. So I thank you for that. Did you tell her to say competent? No, I didn't. <laughs> it's a running joke that in my family, being competent is one of the highest compliments you can pay to someone. My grandfather was really into that. Which is funny because a lot of people are like, oh, competent is just the baseline level. I know, but <laughs> that's why I want to call it out. It should be, but it's not. <laughs> I agree. Neither one of us were competent. Exactly. I will say that, PG, I have loved working with you and the little bit of chaos and the fun that you bring to each episode. I really like the way that that counteracts my precision and calculation and all of that that is me. I love the dynamic that you've brought. I think it's been a good balance. David writes all of the interview questions and they're brilliant. He spends hours researching the guests. I stalk. <laughs> <laughs> researching the questions. And so many times, so many of the guests have said, wow, I have actually never been asked that question before. And I remember that that was the goal when we first started this. David had told me, he, I don't want to ask questions that they've been asked thousands of times before. I want to really try to get a different perspective. And I think you've accomplished that. Thank you. In the months leading up to this, as this idea really took hold, I started to kind of study really good interviewers. And I came upon one that for me was the standard that I was trying to shoot for and still, I think, trying to shoot for the YouTube series Hot Ones. The host is Sean Evans. It is Sean Evans interviewing celebrities over 10 increasingly hot wings. The second half of it are torturously hot. Eating like a chicken wing. Yeah. <laughs> I do not enjoy celebrity culture. I do not care about celebrity interviews. I don't care at all. This guy could interview drywall and i will find it engaging and entertaining if drywall was eating chicken wings i i mean i can tell you this because he interviewed paris hilton and i found it at least modestly interesting which i never imagined possible i really tried to learn from what he was doing and he does so much background research and he works really hard to ask questions that surprise and delight his guests which is juxtaposed beautifully against the torment of these chicken wings. The show is phenomenal. Cannot recommend it highly enough. But that was really what I was striving for is I kept watching the reactions that he was eliciting. And I said, this is what I'm striving for. This is what I want to accomplish. I wonder if it's like the hot wings kind of throws the guests off kilter a little bit. Oh, it totally does. They're not in like their heads so much. It's much more spontaneous. Yeah. 
because they're all on press junkets. You know, they're all media trained. They've all been answering the same dozen or so questions over and over and over again. And then they land on this show and the pain as well as the high that comes from eating extremely spicy foods puts these guests into a completely different mindset, throws them off of their media trained game. It's just a very different interview. You're welcome to our guests for not torturing you. <laughs> we wanted to take a second to thank all of the folks who have written reviews of the podcast and people who've shared anywhere. Like PG and I wanted to both select our favorite review that was submitted and just read that out for everybody. Before I do that, I did want to point out that Ben Rosner was the very first person to write a review, which is so incredibly on brand. Ben is the most on top of everything Room Escape artist fan out there. You think I'm competent. I mean, you haven't met Ben. Yeah. I was going to say, to nobody's surprise, Ben wrote (laughs) the first review. Yep. No, it was the least surprising (laughs) surprise ever. My favorite came from, I have no idea who this is. The username is Jay Shabadoo, and it reads... Besides being a wealth of knowledge, RoomEscape Artist's website is a must. The rapport is great with David and insightful Stephen Fry and PG's energetic Hugh Laurie. Jay Shabadoo, my ego did not need the boost that you gave. (laughs) (laughs) I love being Hugh Laurie. (laughs) That is amazing. Okay, I have two that I would like to read. I suppose we'll allow that. Uh, The title is Unique, and this is from Third Front Tooth. I spend lots of time commuting and listening to a variety of podcasts. I'm not into escape rooms, ARGs, or Survivor, but it was very interesting to hear about the process and creativity that goes into developing all these platforms. The hosts are great as well. Hopefully they'll put out a best of episode in case I'm not able to hit up all the shows. (laughs) This person... Not into escape rooms, ARGs, or Survivor. I was like, what are you doing here? I am so (laughs) shocked that this person found us. I don't know how that happened, but I am incredibly (laughs) thankful for the compliment because it does seem like this person is, as they said, very into podcasts. So that feels good. That feels really good. Third Front Tooth, if you do hear this, do tell us how you found this podcast. Please. I need this mystery solved. It is a good feeling to know that it's drawing in people who didn't even have a pre-existing interest. Is It, it really means something. That was a goal. Yeah. It was a goal to try to help more people discover that escape rooms and immersive games are something that they might enjoy. Yeah. And maybe this person didn't discover that they enjoy them, but maybe they did. We won't know. We won't know. This next one is by Kapanuva, and it says, Each episode I've listened to so far has had good guests talking about their take on different things in a way that actually shows them as multifaceted people. Each episode dives into the history and mindset of different creators in the immersive entertainment sphere and can be pretty inspiring and leaves me wanting to go make things myself. So thank you so much for these reviews. We love reading every single one. It means a lot to us and it will mean a lot to us if you guys continue leaving them for us. It really does help boost the visibility of our podcast. Seriously, thank you. And thank you for indulging this moment of self-indulgence. Normally, this is the point where we would ask our guests where people could find them on social media. It's all in the show notes. Room Escape Artist, it's everywhere. You can also find PG all over the internet. 
if you really want to engage with our community, we strongly, strongly recommend joining up with the Patreon. That is the place to have these conversations. And also Lisa will be joining us for the after show. That's a Patreon exclusive additional podcast that we put out. It's more casual and increasingly many of our guests have been joining us for it which has added a whole new dynamic, especially when you have someone like Chris Latner join. Most of the podcast is usually more of the guests talking, but if you like this interaction with all of us and me and David, the after show is mostly me and David chatting and talking, but we do have the guests come on and stay. Chris Latner stayed on and chatted with us more casually in the after show. Was it more casual? (laughs) (laughs) Unstructured, I guess. Chris and Ann Lukeman from CU Adventures also stayed with us and chatted with us for the after show. So quite a few of them are an extension of the podcast and some of the others, again, are just me and David talking, but they're really fun. I hope you would join them. And I also appreciate anybody who wants to support what we're doing, support our podcast and join the Patreon. Come join for $2, $5 gets you access to the after show. And we have a ton of other perks. David and Lisa can tell you that in our meetings, all I do is think of more perks for the patrons. I'm constantly like, should we have like roundtable discussions? I want to hold a happy hour. Like I want to hang out with the patrons more and maybe play games, organize different things. We're always thinking about how to add value to your Patreon membership. And these are things that we're going to be doing while we're in between seasons. We're going to take six to eight weeks off to recuperate a little bit. Putting this out on a weekly basis with this level of editing and production is a lot of work. So we're going to take a little bit of time off, work on recon a bit, and then we will be back to you in the summer, bringing you many, many more discussions. We cannot wait. Really excited to do it. We have loved so much producing this podcast. It's been so much more rewarding than I ever even imagined. I cannot wait to make more of this and share it with y'all. I just want to say thank you to everybody who listened to this podcast and followed us on our journey. This is the end of season one, and we can't wait to improve the podcast even more and come back strong with season two. PG, it's been a wonderful journey. Likewise. And Lisa, thank you so much for agreeing to let us pick your brains today. My pleasure. It was fun. The Reality Escape Pod is brought to you by RoomEscapeArtist.com, your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events. If you're enjoying this podcast, you should join our Patreon. Some of the perks include a patrons-only Discord and exclusive bonus podcast content. Every podcast will have a companion after show where David and I talk about the interview we just recorded, as well as chat more casually about games we've been playing, industry news, and well, whatever we feel like, really. You can get access to this bonus content for only $5 a month. And a lot of times the after show is even longer than our interviews. $15 gets you access to the Spoilers Club, where we pick a game each month and then we will discuss the game after we've all played it. This month, we'll be playing and discussing Isolation from Escape Room Melbourne. Make sure you've played the game before listening and we can spoil to our heart's content. 
We've got higher tiers as well, and we want to give a special shout out. Thank you to Wesley James, Byron Delmonico, Paula Swan, Rex Miller, Scott Olson, Breakout Games, and Derek Tam. None of this work would have been possible without the support of all of our incredible patrons and the community at large. Thank you. So if you like what we're doing, and you want to support our mission of creating a global community of escape room and immersive gaming enthusiasts, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash room escape artist. So one time when we were traveling with Amanda Harris and Drew Nelson, who are two incredibly experienced escape room players, it was just the four of us and we were playing this competitive room. So we were going to have to play two and two. The game master said, well, why don't you just play guys versus girls? That was a stupid competitive split because Amanda and I have the same skill sets and David and Drew have the same skill sets. So somebody was going to lose by a lot. This is a very risky scenario for somebody, but having not seen the room at all, yeah, we really didn't know who, but then the game master said it in a voice where we couldn't not play guys versus girls. So we go into this room and the way it's set up, the rooms are identical on either side. There's also a place in the middle where you're racing to get materials. Like if you can get into the locked door before the other team on the other side gets into the locked door in the middle, you'll get both your materials and their materials. And then you can try to ransom with each other. Very tricky structure. And so David and Drew are way ahead and they keep opening locks and like getting all of their pieces and getting all of our pieces. We had about like 60 to 70% of all of the puzzle pieces for the final puzzle. Yes, but the final puzzle was a word puzzle. And so Amanda and I solved it with almost none of the pieces and we won the end. <laughs>